Informed Dissent, the intersection of healthcare and politics, with Dr. Jeff Barkey, board-certified primary care physician, and Dr. Mark McDonald, board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. Well, Mark, great to be with you on another episode of Informed Dissent. How are things going? Oh, fantastic. We're having a great time out here in the heart of darkness, Los Angeles County, West Side. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, we got a phenomenal guest tonight, uh, a character in so many ways. Um, if you're familiar with Superman, truth, truth, justice, and the American way, you're going to love this guy because he worked in the belly of the beast, and that's Gabe El Taib, uh, who was an artist working for DC Comics uh, and had to leave because he could not take the idea uh, that they ruined Superman along with uh, the other favorite comics. So, Gabe, welcome to Informed Dissent. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. It's great yeah, to I be with you. you. Uh, right before that, I had listened to that podcast and I really like what you guys are doing here. I'm not too familiar, but wow, it's really cool stuff. Yeah, well, thank you. T- tell our audience a little bit about yourself. You worked at DC Comics, and what happened? Well, uh, I'll try to make this fast. This is a long story, but I will try to make it a really fast story. Um, I fell in love with comic books when I was like 13 years old, like in 1992. And uh, my favorite artist, Jim Lee, I saw his work then. I, that was the first time I was really exposed to it. Long story short, college, drawing, trying out, rejection letters. He hires me personally in my late 20s to come work in San Diego at DC Comics Studio in La Jolla, which is like the richest part of San Diego with this oceanfront office. So I worked there all of 2008, 9, and 10. And then they close everything in New York, Manhattan, and in San Diego because they're consolidating into a new company, DC Entertainment. And the focus is going to be movies and TV shows. And that's why there are all the Justice League movies and Shazam and Harlequin and all those horrible shows on the CW. And um, so the focus changed. So I went freelance after that. And I kept I had a great relationship with DC Comics and I stayed with them. And sometime in like the middle of Obama's uh, first or second, I don't know, somewhere mid Obama, we all noticed culture start to change and get a little funny and woke. You know what I mean? And uh, you couldn't tell a joke. You couldn't do this. People start getting weird. And I noticed at DC Comics, like, okay, five of our books are kind of weird. And then, you know, we during like 80 a month. And I'm working on usually two or three I'm working on. And then like, okay, like, okay, now 30 of them are weird. And like 50, okay, now they're all weird and I have to jump ship. So um, basically during COVID, they shut down a little bit, work really slowed up. And I got this great announcement that I was going to be on a brand new Superman book starting over uh, with an issue one called Superman, Son of Kal-El or whatever. And, uh, and I was so excited. And me and another artist, we were the art team. He would do the black and white and I would do the color painting. But they didn't have a writer yet. But they knew they wanted us to do the illustrations. And uh, we got this one writer and he's into pro wrestling and all this action. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going to be great. And then like two months later, we hear they're hiring Tom Taylor, who is a far left, America hating, social justice, mm. you know, commie. Just he hates, you know, everything about Western canon, Western culture. If He's against it. You know, and and uh, and when I heard he was the writer, I was like, oh, my gosh, no. So I said, well, maybe he won't. Maybe he won't try and ruin Superman. But I was really suspicious. I get the first script from him in an email. And the name of the story is Truth, Justice in a Better World. And I'm like, oh, damn it. I knew it. So, of course, they get rid of Superman's slogan officially. Uh, they make him bisexual and give him a boyfriend. And and people attacked me when I left. They said, oh, you're homophobic or transphobic or bi, whatever. And I'm like, uh, uh, uh. The first book I ever did for DC Comics was The Midnighter. He's like a Batman sort of guy. He's super gay, and he always has been. He has a boyfriend. And I worked on The Authority, The Midnighter and Apollo, their boyfriends. They're in that book. Gay people are real. I don't have a problem. I have a problem with them destroying Superman because I know exactly what they're doing, and they know what they're doing. 
They're taking an American icon and they're just, you know, just tarnishing it by changing him from whatever he was into something else is wrong. And to and to get rid of the American way is egregious because uh, my dad escaped Gaddafi's regime in Libya. You know, they murdered my grandfather, killed my dad's friends. And my grandfather and all that, they're born here, but they're Mexican and he fought in World War II in the Pacific. And I love this country dearly. And we are so lucky to be here. And I, and I told the uh, big boss, my favorite artist, he's the big boss. He's the vice president of Warner Brothers, Jim Lee. I texted him because we're friends and I have his number and I chewed him out when I left. I told, And he's an immigrant from South Korea. He came here when he was like a baby though. And I told him, Jim, South Korea didn't give you everything you have. America did. You wouldn't be this famous artist, vice president of Warner Brothers, if you'd stayed there. Like, how dare you take away American way from Superman? And he was hemming and hawing or whatever. And I told him, and this is nerdy, but it, it actually does matter for the culture. I said, Superman is not heroic because he can fly or he's strong or he has laser eyes or whatever. He's heroic because of his values and his heart and his restraint. He's so powerful, he could rule the world as an invincible king and murder everyone he wanted. And he doesn't. And do you know why he doesn't? Because the American way was taught to him by his adoptive parents in Kansas. You know, he's, he's a baby. He didn't know anything. And they gave him the Christian, farmer, Midwest, American classic values. And for and he renounced his citizenship in the books. And he doesn't use the slogan. It's like, you know what? If you want to call every white person a racist, if you want to call every gay and black person a woman a victim and teach them that with these comics, do it without me. I'm too good for this trash. So I left. It's a lucrative job. I made six figures in the mainstream of comics every year doing comic art. Uh for about the last six, seven years before COVID. And, uh, you know, I had to step out in faith. I I prayed. You know, I got a wife. I have two kids. They're adults. I got a mortgage and everything that everyone has. And I just said, God, don't let me fall. And it, it reminded me of Indiana Jones stepping into that chasm with the invisible rock bridge. Remember? <laughs> right. And uh, I didn't fall. I lift, I'm lifted up higher than ever. I'm making way more money. I'm doing way less work. And that's the dream for artists because you want to go slower and do a gorgeous job. Not be chasing deadlines always. I don't. You guys don't know, but inside of Marvel and DC, all you're doing is chasing deadlines, and your work is compromised. Nobody will admit that. I'll admit it. The drawings, the coloring, it's all compromised because you have to rush so much. And now I don't have to. Now I'm just like, you know, some big ball player hit a home run, and I'm just walking to piss off the pitcher. You know what I mean? Just taking <laughs> my time, making gorgeous art, connecting with fans, and I've, I'm surrounded with guys that share my values. They love this country. Um, you know, many of them are Christians, but they all don't have to be, but they're good dudes. And the main thing they are, they are not is woke cancel culture people. You know, I'm not against Democrats or anything like no one wants these woke cancel culture people doing this because it's, it's just a menace. So I've ranted long enough. Um, I tried to make that as short as possible. So that's me. That's who I am. That's what I stand for. So. No, that, that was well done. What are some of the comic books at DC that you worked on that people would recognize? <laughs> if you, you name it, I worked on it over there. Green Lantern, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Justice League, Justice League International, Teen Titans, Young Justice. I mean, I couldn't, I'd have to go into my hard drive here on my computer, just read all the folders I have of art. But I worked there from 2008, yeah, beginning of 2008 until October. So, and I was turning around, you know, at most like four books a month, sometimes in like a rush, but at least two, if not three books a month. And they have you jump around from book to book and you're doing six issues of this and then you're doing three of that and nine of this and they move you all over when you're good like me. So uh, I've done it all for them. If you can name a DC hero, I've done it. So it's quite the, quite the dream job. What was your, who is your favorite DC artist or your DC favorite, hero? Uh, oh, my favorite DC hero. Um, I hate to say, cause it's so generic, but Batman. He's too cool. Yeah. 
You know, he's so relatable as a man. He doesn't have any powers. <clears throat> he just has like discipline and he's, you know, forthright and, you know, and he's driven by, uh, he's driven by discipline, which I think we can all relate to. Like, well, if I'm disciplined, maybe I can get some stuff done too. So that's what I like and, about And And now what are you doing? What are you doing to express your art? Oh, I'm working with, we, <laughs> so it was a scandal. Um, I don't know if you, how much attention you pay to Twitter in the entertainment space. I'm on comic book Twitter, so most of the people I know and follow, it's very heavy comic book people. And it's just a microcosm of Hollywood because it's the same companies. And these leftist writers, they think they're Hollywood rock stars and all that. And there are whisper networks and cancel culture in our business. The conservatives have been kicked out of comics for years. Like my friend Mike Barron, he hasn't had decent work at Marvel and DC in 20-something years. And he defined the Punisher in the 80s and 90s. Like, if you know the Punisher, he wrote the seminal works of that. Um, then you have Chuck Dixon, one of the greatest comic writers of all time. He happens to be a Republican. They haven't given him work in like 20 years, so they do independent stuff and smaller press stuff and all that. So anyway, Trump gets elected. Ethan Van Skyver's like the number one selling artist at Marvel in the early 2000s. He comes over to DC and everything he does is a top seller. And he wears his MAGA hat when Trump wins and he's happy and he goes to the inauguration and he is canceled. He's a white supremacist, homophobic, transphobic, everything. And he's defending himself <laughs> online. And DC Comics says, you got to stop fighting with people on Twitter and Facebook and all that. Or, you know, you can't work here. And he tells me. Well, if I don't defend myself, people Google my name and they're just going to say I'm in the KKK. So he said, no, um, he said he got on his knees with his wife in their room and they prayed and he went independent. So uh, and the scandal of all the fighting and the blacklists, because they're totally blacklist in comics to this day. They're worse than ever right now. Um, it was called Comicsgate, the scandal. So as just like a mocking joke. That's what we call ourselves. It, you know, and as far as former professionals from Marvel and DC, there's probably 15 of us or so. But then there's independent people who were just fans, and they were sick of being called white supremacists, racist, homophobe. You know, they don't have a real argument, so they do this stuff. They call everyone this crap. And so there's fans that have come out of the ranks of fans, and they're doing comics. And all we do is we go on YouTube, like, you know, se seven nights a week, somebody from Comicsgate is on YouTube having a fun show, talking with fans and just showing cool art and talking about our love of comics. And, um, and then eventually you sell a book to them, and you do a couple a year. Because when you're going independent, you're not doing three a month. You know what I mean? You're doing single digits in a year. I might do three books in a year, but they're big, they're thicker, they're nicer, they're more well-drawn and everything because we can take our time as artists. You know what and, I mean? And it's Gabe, really important, important question. Have you ever considered doing uh, informed dissent comic book? No, but uh, <laughs> I'm game for anything if I believe in the, if I believe in the project and I believe it's going to make money. You know, I'm a capitalist, but I love art, too. I, I love art as much as you can love something that isn't human. You know, I just like Mark, Mark and I have always wanted to be comic book characters. Well, I don't know how to share a screen on here, but I recently made friends with Dean Kane, the Superman actor. You know who that is, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He followed me on Twitter, and he's a great patriot, a conservative. He's a very charitable man. And we became friends. And uh, I'm trying to find this, <laughs> this art because it's very relevant to what you just said. Um, of course, uh, for our audience, we're audio, not video, but we'd love to see it if you hold it up or something. Oh, can I? Well, I have it on my screen here. Maybe I, can I share my screen with you guys somehow and then I can send it to you? Can, yeah, I don't, oh, I, don't share. I don't know. Okay, here it is. Share I don't screen. Doc, Doc or Beth, if you're there, is, is that a thing? Can you see that? Oh, there it is. Yeah, oh, we can see it. it. Oh, let me move. Let me. These are, that's a popcorn bucket from Disneyland. That's not what I'm trying to share for you. Um, this is Ben Shapiro. <laughs> 
Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens and Jeremy Boring. Oh, I love that. That uh, It was a comic book cover that I illustrated. Dean Cain suggested I do that, and he's going to show it to them. Because uh, they're doing a bunch of stuff with children's entertainment. Well, look, there, there's Ben. He's got. He looks like Superman. He's got a Jewish star on his chest, and he's wearing a yarmulke. I love it. Yeah. And did you see the code name there? I, I'm so proud of that because I came up with it. Uh, code name. The, the the comic book. The name of this comic book. Is it Daily, Daily Wire. Wire. W I R E. What does Wire stand for? Woke institutions run everything. No, ruin. Ruin, oh, ruin everything. everything. Yeah. Ruin Ben's everything. Ben's got a new Daily Wire. Woke institutions yeah. ruin everything. So, yeah. So, this is a fake comic book. Um, I don't know. And you That's see they're destroying funny. Hollywood because they're going to start their own entertainment for children. So, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. I'm just having a blast making my own comics now. My friend David Williams, he's a 30-year veteran. He's so good that DC Comics hired him when he was 17 years old to start illustrating. He's in his 50s now. Um, and he worked on Ben 10. He worked on Superman, Batman cartoons. He did a lot of animation stuff. But he also drew comic books as well. And he's a big, you know, he's a brother in Christ and all that. And he came to me and my whole thing is I left over the American way and I can't stand it. And he said he had an idea for a comic book called Truth, Justice, American Way. And it was what if the like the three heroes like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, what if the fake news framed them for something and they got replaced and it was like woke evil heroes? You know what I mean? Kind of a metaphor for what's going on in our business. Because I don't know if you guys know, but every classic hero is basically replaced with a black person or LGBT or just whatever it is they can do to change the original heroes. They do it. And it's infuriating. And, and I would challenge them. So if you had any talent, create new heroes. You know what I mean? Don't just take Superman's 80 years of success and then slap the word gay on it so you can pander to the to those people. To, and, and they don't even care about gay people. They just want their money. You know what I mean? They think it's a trendy thing to do. So um, I'm happy to be away from there. I think it's disgusting. I think it's crazy. Walt Disney is one of my heroes. I know so much about him. I've watched many documentaries about his life. He would be spinning at 80,000 RPM if he knew what was going on in his grave. Yeah. what they're doing in his name. He was so patriotic. He was such a capitalist, so patriotic, loved to uplift people with his work and his art and his stories. And what they're doing is a, just egregious. I, so yep. I thank God I'm out of there. Wow, you know, that was terrible. You know, syndicated uh, talk radio host Dennis Prager talks about everything the left touches, they destroy right. every single institution. You know, think about the Boy Scouts, for example, that they've destroyed by letting girls in there and so forth. Every right. single institution that they touch, they have to destroy. Uh, superheroes that they've completely changed. Let them come up with their own new superheroes, as you say. Leave the right. ones that have, that have been traditional alone. For goodness sake, when you ruin Superman, you've gone, you've gone way too far. Oh, it's, it's apple pie. It's baseball. It's Ford. It's like, what are you doing? This is America. <clears throat> and I have a quick little analogy that I would argue to them. It's like, say I own McDonald's and we just opened so I have beef, hamburgers, I have shakes, I got fries, right? I'm doing good business. Someone comes along and says, you know, you don't have diversity. You don't have fish sandwiches. I go, oh, that's true. I should add a fish sandwich. But that's not what social justice warrior leftists do. They say, get rid of your beef burger and replace it with a fish sandwich. And then exactly. go right out of business because yeah. you got rid of your bestseller. So it's like, get rid of Wolverine, get rid of Batman, get rid of Superman, and then go out of business. And they do it to be ideologues. They don't – the first rule – in any comics or Hollywood movies, the first rule should be to entertain. No one wants to be scolded. I, you don't want to be reading my comic and have my hero turn to you and go, Jeff, Mark, 
you're the problem with America. Like, that's not why you want to read my book. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's exactly it's ridiculous. And that's what they've turned DC Comics and Marvel into. And one of their prominent editors who thankfully he was let go. He's a disaster. Andy Curry, what a villain he was. He tweeted out something once about like, oh, these right wing uh, comic book fans are just mad. They grew up into the kind of people that Batman would hate. What have the, what have the comics done with uh, with the medical tyranny going on? Do they do we have superheroes getting COVID vaccines now as well? <laughs> the final issue of Superman, I was working. Okay, so I was working on the new Superman. They're ditching the American way. They're giving him a boyfriend, and I'm in visiting my father. I live in San Diego. That's where I am right now. And I was vid- visiting my father in Colorado, and I said, Dad, I don't want to work for these people anymore. This is disgraceful. What do I do? And and he's like, well, you can't quit. You have a contract. So finish it out. But the last issue I was working on, there were masks in the comic. Those useless, useless face diapers. Superman is wearing a mask. It's like, guys, he could touch the sun and not die. He's not going to die. COVID. <laughs> None of this is real. It's all a comic. We can make it all up. He doesn't have to wear a mask. You know, and it's just, it was, it's so ridiculous. And, uh, it's just, you know how Lisa Simpson was just like a rebel without a clue. Yeah. She just defied any convention for the sake of defying it. That's how these leftists seem to me. And I have a whole theory on what their deal is. Um, if you'd like to hear it, but I do yeah. talk a lot, and I would love no, to no, go. Let's, your, let's hear your theory. Um, so, since we'll, I work in the we'll business, analyze it. I, I was an employee of Warner Brothers, and then I was a freelancer, and I work and I go to parties with these people, conventions, and as near as I can tell, this is. Antichrist. What this is, is they are God. No one else is real. Only I matter. My feelings, my pleasure, and my discomfort are all I worry about. That's what cancel culture is at its epitome is, I don't want to hear you say that, Jeff, because it makes me uncomfortable. And, you know, that's why they say, oh, you could be healthy at any size. And they encourage people to be 400 pounds and then they die, which is tragic, because they don't like the discomfort of being told being that fat is unhealthy. You know what I mean? They don't like the discomfort of, of of being told anything is wrong. And it reminds me of, uh, you know, I'm Christian. I don't know how you guys are, but, you know, whatever's fine with me. There was an original person who wouldn't submit to any authority. The very beginning of the Bible, named Lucifer, he wouldn't submit to anything. And, I, and that's how I see these this leftist religion of self-worship. It's antichrist. It's you are God. You are all that matters. Chase pleasure all day, all day, all day. And, and they're heuristic for life. That's what it is. Whatever makes you feel good. You know, I remember my mother telling me that when I was a little boy, like six, seven years old, that when she was young in the 60s, they used to say, if it feels good, do it. And she told me that that was so wrong and to never live that way and never listen to stuff like that. So, Well, Mark, from, from, a, from a psychological standpoint, that sounds like a child because children just want to do what feels good and they don't want to be disciplined. <laughs> they want to eat chocolate for dinner. They want to go to bed late at night. Uh, they have no discipline. That discipline needs to be imposed uh, by a parental figure. So they're, they're acting quite childish, aren't they? Well, what Gabe just described is what we call in psychiatry primary narcissism, which is right. the state that you're born into, which is I'm at the center of the universe, which is what adults used to believe thousands of years ago. We called the uh, the heliocentric model, which is, you know, the sun is actually at the center of our galaxy, uh, is sort of a reformation of sorts uh, from science. Originally, humans believed that the earth was actually at the center. And, and why is that? Because as people, as humans, we are born with the belief that we, the individual, are at the center of everything. Our mother, our father, our community all revolves around us when we are hungry, we get food, 
when we are wet, we get we get our diaper changed. When we're cold, we get a blanket. So obviously, uh, our needs are really the com- are our commands, and our parents uh, supply the responses to those commands. And it's only by giving up that that primary narcissism and accepting that there are other humans out there that matter too. We have brothers, sisters. We have uh, parents who need to spend time with each other, not just with us that we start to emancipate, we become independent, we develop an identity that's more reality-based, and eventually we become a independent, uh, fully functioning adult, theoretically, uh, and we start to make our own families. When that developmental process fails, when it gets uh, frozen, arrested, you know, arrested development, like the TV show from, from the 80s and 90s, that's where we go astray. And and I would I would even say that that the left is really a movement of arrested development. Uh, they have Absolutely. not left primary narcissism. They are still thinking that they're at the center of the universe. That they have uh, superhuman godlike powers, uh, not unlike the comic book heroes, but without the value systems that came into place, like you mentioned with Superman. It's a narcissistic value system, and it's inherently destructive. And as you know, Jeff quoted Dennis Prager. Uh, saying anything it touches is ruined and destroyed. And that's really uh, why they destroy everything that they touch, because they're developmentally arrested and they never actually become mature adults. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's what I saw <laughs> inside these businesses. They they do tear all these things to shreds. And uh, and like you're saying, it is just narcissism. When, when you see someone shrieking because they're wearing a mask and you won't, it's like, hey, buddy, it's not my job to manage your fear. You know, like you're an adult, like comport yourself. Jeez. You know, I remember seeing a video online of a woman at the beach and another one was too close because she had brought a measuring tape and like, you're not six <laughs> feet away. And it's like, Holy, I'm not making that up. And, you know, it's the Internet. It could have been a fake thing, but it seemed pretty darn real. And it's just. Yeah. And I would uh, let me ask you this, since uh, Mark, since it's your expertise, my brother's also a psychologist and a therapist. Um, with family, he focuses on families too. So it's very interesting to me. Is this because we got rid of fathers 50, 60 years ago in the most general sense? Is that what's, because that's what I think. Because mama, she's going to let you get away with murder. My baby didn't do nothing wrong. But dad is going to like, we don't do that. All right. You know, dad is different than mom. They have the saying, a face only a mother could love. What does that say about a mother's love? You know what I mean? Is this because of fathers? Because that's what I think. We got rid of the paternal influence and culture, and it's a disaster. (laughs) The loss of fathers and the rise of single-parent households, which were around 20%, 25% back in the 60s in white households, and it was considered to be a national crisis. Um, It's now like 50%, 60% in white households. It's over 80%, closer to 90% in black households. Uh, It's it's beyond a crisis. It's an apocalypse. And Mm -hmm. when you... As Larry Elder, the the black syndicated radio host, uh, likes He's to say, the "Black face of white supremacy." Let me correct you. Right thank now. you for the correction. He is the black face of white supremacy. <laughs> that 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 is that is his new moniker. Correct. Uh, <laughs> as as he likes as he likes to say, uh, when you absolve men of their responsibilities and women basically stop marrying men and they marry the government, then what you end up having is a family that. Uh, does not have a father figure and you have really no parental influence. You just have women who, you know, when they want to get a raise, they have another baby. And this this is probably, if you want to narrow it down to one single cultural factor that's that's very concrete and specific, I think that you couldn't really find one that has more detrimental effect 
to our, um, our, our national strength as a civilization, really, than the disappearance of fathers. And if we could fix that one thing, uh, that would probably do more than any other change in our, our public discourse. Well, yeah, well, it was the government that really... That? Oh, the go government ahead. Really I've been talking a lot. You go ahead and I'll comment on it. Well, no, no, no. That's okay, Gabe. I was just going to say that the government really incentivized that to occur. And if we're going to reverse it, we need to de-incentivize that to allow mm -hmm. those fathers to come back into the picture and not incentivize moms uh, to be financially successful without, without men and dads in the house. Right. And I think my role in this as an artist is I realize that politics is downstream from culture. And that and the right. leftists know this. That's why they infested the universities and the media and the movies and entertainment. And in the fifties, <clears throat> when they said there were a bunch of commies in Hollywood, they were right. They were they were laughed off as you know, whatever conspiracy theories. But they were right. They we lost the Cold War. It's not over yet. Maybe we're still clinging on. We actually lost it without firing a bullet because they took our media away from us. Remember, like Frank Capra and It's a Wonderful Life. That's the direction Hollywood should have kept growing. Instead, we got Archie Bunker and Homer Simpson telling us the father's an idiot. I remember my grandmother telling me I was in middle school, and she, and I like I think like Urkel and all that Friday night TV was on ABC. And I was like twelve, and she looked at me. My grandma said, "I hate television." She said, "The father never knows anything. The kids and the mom always laugh at him." You know, so I'm glad I was raised this way. You know, where my mom and my grandma and my dad and my grandpa were just like they didn't buy any of this garbage. You know, and you I wasn't father knows best. It. Well, you had fathers knows, knows best. And then when I was in high school, it, it turned into married with children. Right. Right. Remember that? Yeah, absolutely. You have this ugh, just ugliness. And, uh, and I don't know where that sort of cynicism comes from. But I think my job with the books I'm making is chiefly to entertain, but also to give people hope and show them what heroism is about so they can be heroes in their own lives. You know what I mean? So someone can avoid that divorce or get through that disease or get through that bankruptcy or whatever. Cause when you're little and you see Luke Skywalker and all these guys, I don't know what their politics are and I don't care. It's not important to the story. The important thing is he's going up against Darth Vader, who's terrifying and he does it anyway. And that's so important for men and women, but for men, you know, one thing we've lost culturally that all cultures have, and you know this better than me, Mark, all cultures historically have had the initiation for boys 12, 13, 14, you know what I mean? They have to go out and kill a lion or they have to go do this. And we don't have that anymore because we've mummified our culture. So when dads want to put the boys through the crucible when they're 12, 13, 14, like we're supposed to, it doesn't exist in our culture. When does a boy become a man in Western culture now? Where's the demarcation? You know what I'm saying? You've, it doesn't You're exist. pointing out a really important fact. Most people don't notice this, and I don't bring it up much because a lot of people are, on, are not really attuned to it, but the disappearance of ritual is a, also a really important factor in the decline of our society. And it mm -hmm. started with religious ritual. Religion has been under attack. But you make a very good point about cultural ritual. Uh, Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, that's a ritual. Yes. That's gone. Um, confirmation uh, in the church. Nobody does that anymore. Uh, other than, you know, Orthodox Jews and sometimes the non-Orthodox will just do it as a party. They have their bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, but they don't really pay much attention to it anymore. Um, the going away to college ritual is now largely gone. Uh, kids just stay in the garage of their parents. They don't even leave the home. They don't uh, suffer that pang of separation anxiety, learn how to do their own laundry, cook their own food, uh, manage their own finances. There's a, a big, big loss of 
we considered to be uh, the modern rituals. Obviously, kids are not going out and fighting bears anymore, but they were going out and getting summer jobs. Uh, they were learning how to drive and become independent in their own cars. They were, as I said, going away to college. Uh, they were dating. Even dating rituals are gone now. Uh, people yeah. just swipe left. They swipe right. They do uh, you know, naughty, naughty chats uh, and send uh, dick pics to one another. There, there really isn't much ritual anymore that forces... Uh, boys to become men and to uh, distance themselves from their parents, to put themselves at risk, to uh, feel uh, vulnerable, and then to conquer the elements and to succeed and to come back with a newfound sense of, of confidence and strength right. and power. We have completely destroyed that. We have infantilized uh, our kids. We've turned them from the Obama years into pajama boy. Uh, and then more recently, the life of Julia. I mean, this is really what what the new cultural icons are for for the left. Uh, and, and it is not a future of men and women. It's a future of, of of little boys and little children in their diapers. Yeah, it's crazy. I think you're absolutely right, Mark. And it's unfortunate. You know, you talk about superheroes, and you know, Gabe. In some sense, you are a hero. You decided to stand. <laughs> no, nah, seriously. You should. You should. Uh, you should uh, star in one of your own comic books. <laughs> You stood up, you put everything on the line, you had a really nice job, you had a secure job, and you said you're not going to put up with it anymore. There are some things more important than a paycheck, and you stood up for that, and, uh, and you should be admired for that and, and held up for that. More, we want more people to do that. More important than a paycheck is standing up for what you believe, standing up for principle, and standing up for America. And you didn't want to participate anymore in the degradation and the destruction of America's superheroes, such as Superman. And, and I admire you for that and, and good on you for doing that. And you're a great role model for your kids to see somebody who did that. Thank you. You know, it's hard for me to take the compliment because I don't know why. Maybe I should learn to be gracious and take those better. My wife always tells me that. Uh, people call me a hero. It just sounds so weird to me. But that I went viral for about 72 hours. It was around the world. That was on every news channel on the globe. Uh, people were saying it's Spain, Germany, the Asia, like everywhere. And I humiliated DC Comics. And if I had to do it all over again, I would do it again harder. They deserved every bit of that bloody nose that I gave them. How dare they do what they're doing? And my only regret about leaving there is I didn't do it sooner, you know, because I knew what was up. But I was chicken, to be honest, like... This is so easy for me. And I and for those of you who can't see me, it's a podcast. I'm half Mexican, half Libyan. I write my own <laughs> ticket. I'm I can write my own ticket in Hollywood. If I don't and I didn't mention politics, I would never say anything. And they were too dumb to realize anything about me. But uh and, and this is very racist of them. They assumed because of my race that I was just one of them. Like, why would you assume that? That like I'm an individual. I'm not just like Arabs, like, okay, there's a billion of them or something. There's, or I don't know, there's hundreds of millions. We're not all the same. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but they just assumed it. So when I quote came out, which is which is such a weird way to refer to all this, it was a shock to everyone in the business. I lost friends. I had people mock me, but I don't care. Um, and most people didn't mess with me because I think the, and I hate to bring race into it, but I think the white liberals, you know, we know who these people are. I think they like, they don't know what to do with a person like me. Because guys like you two, they can just call you white supremacist racist. They look at me and they're like, oh, damn, what are we going to tell this guy? So they tried to call me a homophobe. But it's like, guys, I worked on those gay comic book heroes forever. And in the book, they weren't gay. It was just mentioned. They didn't like kiss and make out and have sex. They were superheroes. But everyone knew that they were like boyfriends in the book. But it wasn't part of the plot. It didn't matter. 
You know what I mean? So I didn't have a problem working on stuff like that. Like, I don't know the sexual history of the Martian Manhunter. I don't know. He's with Batman. He's with Wonder Woman. Who knows? Um, and who cares? The stuff is for your kids. And I don't want to see Superman having sex with a woman or a man in the book. Okay? This is for kids. This is about heroism. And it's for adults, too. Adults can enjoy comic books because, you know, they're well-written, some of them, if they're not leftist propaganda leaflets. But... That kind of like rated R material, it just doesn't belong in our culture of comics. It just doesn't. Not in the mainstream. There's independent comics. There's alternative. I believe in freedom of speech. You want to make a weird porno comic, you know, knock yourself out. It's not my thing. Whenever I get hired, I do a lot of freelance work still. Whenever I get hired, I have two, uh, not heuristic. I just have two principles. I always ask the customer, say, is it like satanic or like witchcraft or anything weird like that? And is there pornography? They say yes to either, I'm out. I don't do the project. I've always been that way. But if people want to do it, I'm not going to stop them. You know what I mean? That's their right. We need the First Amendment. So, you know, I, I, I definitely believe in letting them do that. If I don't like it, I don't need to buy it. But I, at the same time, I don't want them showing it to kids. Like the Florida thing. I love the Florida governor. That's mm -hmm. how you be. That's how you do it. You go on offense. Enough of this playing defense and trying to catch up all the time. It's ridiculous. So. so, Gabe, you live down in San Diego. When are you running for office? Uh, hopefully never. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I would never want to come in a country mile of politics. I'm an artist through and through. I will draw until the day I die. I, I don't remember when I started drawing. That's just something God put in me. I love to draw. I don't know why. I always have, you know. So, um, but, you know, I, I got my passport recently because we just we haven't had them, me and my wife. And uh, like, we need to have them. So we got them. And I went to Tijuana on Saturday on a whim because I watch all this, you know, uh, I've been watching like travel channels and this guy reviews first class airplanes all the time. And I took a cross country trip to Disney World. I've never been to the South. My 25th wedding anniversary in November, my wife and I went to Disney World. I, I saw Alabama, Mississippi, all of that. I'd never been there. It was amazing. We drove because too many flights were getting canceled. And I was paranoid about missing our flights, you know. And uh I worked so much at DC and I told you that the deadlines were terrible and I would bring my computer and my drawing stuff on vacations and, and just working at DC and Marvel, it's just so poorly run with the deadlines. You don't, you miss too much stuff with your family. So now that I'm independent, we're vacationing and we're going here and we're going there. And uh, I got my passport. And I'm like, I'll just go to Tijuana. I can cross the border in 10 minutes and come back in an hour. You know what I mean? And that's what I did. So I went down to Tijuana and I was there for an hour, got a little paranoid. Like, can they tell I'm an American? You know, because they charge me $4 for a bottle of water. I'm like, damn it. They know I'm not one of them. So I'm like, I need to get out of here, you know. So I left. And, but for the next, like, 36 hours, uh, this was Saturday, so today's Monday. For the next day and a half or so, it was really sad just thinking of the people there. And there's trash everywhere. And the buildings are dirty and rusty and crumbling and graffiti and just homeless beggars everywhere. And it just looks so pathetic and sad. And I just think... People. Sounds a little bit like L.A., I think, huh, Mark? <laughs> but Reminds it me just, of my neighborhood. Yeah, my daughter lived on Hollywood and, uh, no, Sunset and Wilcox for a year doing stand-up. She does it back here now. She's a stand-up comedian. She's hosting tonight, actually. She's a very good stand-up comic. But um, seeing it, being inches away from the people, two different men that didn't have eyeballs came up to me begging for coins. You know what I mean? There's all kinds of beggars everywhere. And like, I don't think I've seen one person that didn't have eyes in my life. Now I saw two in the span of a minute. And it's so sad because if you live in San Diego or LA, 
The Mexican people, they're beautiful people. They're such hardworking people. And that government has just failed them. And, and people here who want to destroy the American way and destroy our, our cultural icons, our myths and our legends that mean so much to us, that inform children what they can be, what is possible. Sometimes you might be a little kid and you think you're a loser. And then some adult or some coach comes along or you read some book or you see Superman or Luke Skywalker or, you know, like I said, or you have a good football coach or someone tells you you could be more than you ever dreamed of. And it happens. I coach football. I'm a big guy. I'm six foot four. I love lifting weights. And I coached a lot of football. I played a lot. I coached a lot. And I love coaching the little guys and finding those little players on the team that are no good. And they're timid and they're wimpy and they're weak and they're scared and they cry and I don't want to do it. And I make those guys a project. And by the end of the year, they're killing everyone, tackling everyone, running all over the place and having fun. And, and I know that'll stay with them forever. Maybe they'll never be a good football player. Maybe they won't go to college football, NFL. That's not the point. The point is their restaurant, if it goes out of business, they won't you know, kill themselves. Or they'll fight through and not get divorced. You know what I mean? They'll learn to fight from a young age. And they'll learn that they could be more than they ever dreamed. And I, that's what I want to do with my comics. And, you know, that's what I want to do. And, and I can't stand people wanting to, like, tear down this culture. This culture's done more good for more people in the history of the world. Like, how dare you try and ruin this? What is your problem? It's insane to me. Yeah, absolutely. What's the demographics of the people that read your comics now? Um, you know, I, I haven't done a study on that. But in general, we know in comic books... Uh, the majority, the vast majority of customers are men. And the vast majority of collectors, they're not making them for kids anymore, right? They're too edgy. They're too R-rated. So we've lost the youth readers over the last few years. And uh, it's men in their 30s and 40s, almost 90-something percent. Women buy comics, but it's very few. A lot of women that buy comics buy Japanese comics. Manga is what it's called, right? And manga is different. It's not superheroes. It's like movies. It's every topic. Western, sci-fi, romance. There could be superheroes. But the problem with American comics, chiefly, is it's all superheroes. And that's boring if someone doesn't like superheroes. We should have Westerns. We should have romance. We should have other things. But um, So women don't really read them too much. And if you look at the demographics of voting, most men, 30 to 40, they voted Trump. So if you're going to make a line of comic books that tell them, you're all racist because you voted for Trump. Oh, you like big boobs? Well, you're probably a pervert. You like strong men? Well, you're probably toxic. You tell them everything they like is wrong and evil, they quit showing up. And DC Comics, they were about 100 people editorial and all that. I think they're down to about 30 now. Yeah, They've been sold twice in the last five years. Mm. That's not good. You've been sold to AT&T, and then AT&T said, well, forget this, and then sold them to Discovery. That deal just closed last month. Wow. So maybe Chuck E. Cheese will buy them next month. I'm not sure. <laughs> but Gabe, I say in life, direction is more important than location. And the direction they're heading is out of business. Good. And it's a shame. Gabe, you know? tell us a little bit about some of the superheroes that you draw now. Oh, I'll share I'll share for you. The podcasters can't see it. But uh, Truth, Justice, American Way. There they are. We are. And that's the names of the heroes. My friend David Williams came up with this concept. I wrote out a big plot, created villains, and created a story. And these are our three classic heroes. Truth. Uh, she's Amara Rudolph. She's a former Olympian. She found out that she had superhuman abilities, so she quit competing because she knew it wasn't fair. You have Justice. He's a man of mystery. He's like a Judge Dredd, Batman, Charles Bronson, badass type. 
And then you have American Way. He's Joseph Ellis. He comes from a long line of Midwestern steel mill workers. His father was there, his grandfather, going back generations. And uh, since it's a comic book, we can do this. He fell into a supercharged vat of American steel, turning him into a man of steel from head to toe. <laughs> and what most people would take as a curse and just quit on life, he's taken that as a badge of honor and dedicated his life to defending his country and his family and his culture. So they are a team, Truth, Justice. Those are their superhero names, Truth, Justice, American Way. And I'm so proud of this. And uh, <clears throat> the logline for this is, uh, what if the fake news canceled the world's most beloved heroes? When a tragedy strikes, um, the truth, justice, America way, they're framed. And they have to go underground to figure out who did this and why. And they have to rely on each other and their traditions and the, you know everything they believe in and bravery and stick together as a team. And if they can't figure out who set them up like this, a way worse attack is coming. And this time it'll cost millions of lives. I so love this, it. Is a, this story is a one and done, but we want to keep doing more volumes with more stories. <clears throat> but when you get a hold of this first volume of Truth, Justice, American Way, you go to Indiegogo.com and you just search Truth, Justice, American Way. Or you just find me online. My name is very unique. It's Gabe, G-A-B-E. My last name is El Taib. And that's like the band The Beatles spelled backwards. So it's El Taib. <laughs> it's Gabe El Taib. You just search me online. You can find this book. You buy it. It's coming out in October. And, uh, and it's for everyone. So if you're seven or eight or nine, you would love this. But if you're 57, you would also love it. It's sophisticated, it's well-written, and it's beautifully drawn. And uh, together, Gary Martin, Dave Williams, and myself, we have 90 years of experience in comic books between the three of us. You know, I'm 43, I'm the puppy. Gary and Dave are older than me. So, uh, but here's some of the art. You guys can see it. And I'll send it to you if you guys want to put it on your website or use it for sure. something. I'm not sure. But... Uh, I don't know. I love this stuff. That's some uh, good stuff. Now you draw the pictures, obviously. Do you also write? I, I am a co-writer with David. So David does the black and white line art. Then I go in and paint all the color in. And then we collaborate on the story together. And you'll notice in my pitch for the story, I never said liberal. I never said feminist. I never said social justice warrior. I didn't say Trump. I, we are not preaching at you. We're not scolding you. Left wing, right wing, nothing. We're here to entertain you and let you have fun. This is one of my favorite things about Justice. He's the breakout character. We've had some art contests online, and everyone loves drawing this character. But um, And since Marvel recently ruined the Punisher, we won't get into that, but they're sissifying the Punisher. He's basically our analog to Batman, Punisher, all those kind of cool street heroes. But if you look at that Glock in his hand there, do you see what's etched on it? Easy I can't way. quite see it. Oh, he, he's carved into the side of his gun, easy way. Oh, love and it. then he's holding a police baton, and it says hard way on it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah this is if you love indiana jones star wars if you love just you know more indiana jones more like rip roaring action adventure bad guys getting their teeth punched out like just tough guy stuff i'm the biggest charles bronson fan i love death wish those are some of the stupidest movies i've ever seen but they're some of the most entertaining i've ever seen i'm that a damn awesome. fanatic i know and a steven seagal fanatic i know i know but uh i just i think those things are so fun you know what I mean? I think stuff like that is really crazy and fun. So uh, I actually host a show on Wednesday nights called Double Impact, named after the Van Damme movie. And me and my friend Sean Thangetti, he's another conservative who left academia uh, to do comics because he was teaching at RISD, that really expensive art school. Yeah. He was an art professor for 18 years, illustration and painting. And they were having him teach critical race theory and social justice in the illustration classes. 
You know, so he left academia to come and do comics. And we do a show on Wednesday nights called Double Impact. And we review Rambo, Karate Kid, Van Damme movies. That's a really fun show. And that's what I'm talking about. We connect with fans on YouTube and all that and just have a good time with them. Just hanging out and talking. And then, you know, we show our books, but they know. We don't try to trick anyone. We say, you know, I'm, I, I'm launching the book this Wednesday. I want you to all show up to the live stream. Everybody buy it, blah, blah, blah. So it's a really, really fun way to do things. And do you, do you have an evil character in any of your comic books named Fauci? Um, <laughs> it's funny you say that. Uh, the official answer is no. He's not named Fauci, but we do have mad scientists slash evil doctors that are up to no good. These are some bad guys here, maybe. <clears throat> you know, I like to play a little coy with some of this stuff. But one of the things that's refreshing about not working for Marvel or DC anymore is I can draw, uh, how do I say this nicely, curvy women again. Uh-huh. When I worked at Marvel and DC, you could not draw large breasts or butts. If it was gay stuff or trans stuff, all the lights are green. Go all the way. If it was heterosexual, something men would like, no, you're a pervert. Don't do that. And uh, I made it a joke to myself after a while that if so- I was doing color art, you know, so if someone sent me the black and white drawing of a Wonder Woman or something and her, you know, her chest is there, I would render the boobs as big and 3D as I could with my painting technique just so I could get the email the next day from the editor to tone it down. So it was this own <laughs> little weird mind game I was playing with myself. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Great. It just irritates me that they go out of their way to attack men like that always. Like, I'm yeah. not going to apologize for liking beautiful women. What's your problem? Absolutely. You know? And we see a photo, a drawing that you just showed us of one of the evil characters of a woman with a glowing bright red globes on her chest. <laughs> well, there's a red. <laughs> Listen, they may not be evil. If you stood in a dark room and put a red light on the floor and then lightning struck right behind you, you know, at the time the photo was taken, you would look evil too. So, <laughs> uh, they're probably. Well, but, Gabe, uh, listen, it's, it's been an honor talking to you for the last 45 uh, minutes or so, and you uh, truly are, I mean, listen, in some respects, you truly are an American hero. You, you are standing up for America. You're not putting up with uh, the woke left, and you made the ultimate sacrifice to choose uh, principle over your job. And there's a lot of people around the country that are doing this. Mark and I have talked to several, including physicians that left because they stood on principle or they were fired and others around the world. And I think more and more people need uh, role models like yourself, real people that have stood up on principle, that have made a difference, that have said, I'm not going to denigrate the America that has given me so much, and I'm right. going to find a different path, and God will find a place for me, and of I'll course. be able to express my art and my business uh, and my opinions in a way that's um, creative, in a way that is important, in a way that builds up America, not tears her down. And so it's uh, it's admirable what you've done, and it's it's been an honor to know you for the last few minutes, and, and thank you for your hard work. Oh, thank you so much. Well, um, I know I can go on and on, but I'll, I'll say this. If my dad can stand up in his secret underground meetings against Gaddafi and my grandfather can watch his friends die on like Peleliu and the islands of the Pacific, I can stand up to a fat blue haired editor at DC Comics. <laughs> it's not a big ask. So hero, yeah, maybe. But, you know, I look in the past and you, my dad and my grandpa and, <clears throat> and then times it by a million, right? All your dads and grandpas going back forever. They're fighting, you know, mo- you know, lions and warlords, and they could die from getting diarrhea in the old days. Like, what am I really fighting? So I appreciate being called a hero, and I guess this is a fight of my time. You know, this is what I'm told to fight. But after 
countless generations who I will, you know, I, I never knew them. How would I? They died for me. They suffered for me so I could have air conditioning and an automatic car. How dare I be the one to break the chain? You know what I mean? No way. Not me. You're not putting my name on that. Hell no. Thank, thank you again, and uh, we appreciate it. I'm sure our audience is going to love hearing from you. All right. You've been listening to Informed Dissent with Dr. Jeff Barkey, board-certified primary care physician, and Dr. Mark McDonald, board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. Informed Dissent, the intersection of healthcare and politics.